poem yesterday, right? Yes. Sound like three of y'all did. <laughs> Women, y'all had a good time in prayer yesterday? Yes. Amen. So grateful for all of y'all and the, and the awesome turnout. I uh, look like I saw from the women. I'm grateful for our time with the men yesterday and our men's breakfast. An awesome time we had, amen. It was really, really good. Really, really good. We finished this series we had on perversion. And I, I decided I'm going to save it and let, let the women get it too. Because a lot of women in perversion. Yeah, y'all don't say anything, but I know it's true. No, pastor, just the men. No, 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 no. It's women too. See, that Jezebel spirit that's taken over America today is a perversion spirit and witchcraft. And so Jezebel was perverted. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Joseph didn't go after Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife went after him. So, praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's get into the word of God today. I'm in the wrong place. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. Luke chapter 2, verse 8 through 14. Everybody have it? All right, let's read together. Ready to read. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. I'm looking at verses uh, 10 and 11. Verse 10 and 11 says, And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I give you or I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. I want to focus, uh, I want to use for a subject good news from verse 10. Good news for all people. Good news for all people. Father, thank you today for the time we have now to spend in your word. I pray, Father, that by your precious Holy Spirit, you lead us and speak to us. Open our hearts that we might hear and understand and receive what you have for us to receive today. I thank you that God that uh, the authority, that, that the atmosphere is clean and clear right now, that every demonic force that would try to come in and stop the flow of this word is hindered right now in the name of Jesus so that nothing can hinder the word of God from flowing freely and being glorified among your people. So have your way today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. and amen. Glory to God. Good news for all people. Good news for all people. Hallelujah. It's, it's extremely easy in this time, in this season, to get caught up in all the materialism of the day. If you're not careful, you'll be more concerned about wrapping paper and gifts and treasures and trinkets and caroling and all those things 
uh, and forget about the real reason for this season. It's easy to lose sight of the significance of Christmas or Christmas. It's all right to have, you know, lights. It's all right. Hallelujah. It's all right to have trees and it's all right to have ribbons and bows. And I mean, you apparently we've decorated our church or we've had to decorate. I shouldn't say I wasn't part of the group. <laughs> uh, thank God. Because it would look a hot mess if I was the one in charge of it. But it's all right to have decorations and trees and caroling and Christmas parties and cookies and all the things that people get caught up in around Christmas time. But you, could never, you should never lose what is the focus of, or what should be the focus of our celebration. Hallelujah. This is a time for the body of Christ uh, to, to really stand out. This is, this is one of the most, uh, this is the biggest holiday on the planet, first of all. And this is a time when the focus should be put squarely on Jesus. That a time to trumpet the message of Jesus. It should be so easy. Because this is what everybody's looking at. Now, the world doesn't know it. They don't know it. They don't think about Jesus. That's why it's so easy for them to Xmas. <laughs> but in the church, what the devil's done in the churches, he gets the church arguing about silly things. Arguing about, well, uh, when exactly was Jesus born? Am I right about it? We don't know when, so I'm not going to celebrate with y'all because I don't know when. Okay, but was he born? <laughs> I mean, it, truth be told, your great-grandma don't know when she was born. I'm talking about if you, if you in this community right here, your great-grandmother, your great-great-grandfather, they don't know when they were born either. Because those things were stolen from us. Those things were, 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 were not made available. You, 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 it's, I mean, they, they, they might not even be calling themselves the right name. So, so, but you still celebrate them. So regardless of when he was born, <laughs> we know he was born. As a matter of fact, I can, I can, I can help you with this and I can tell you when he was born. He was born according to scripture in the fullness of time. In, in, in Galatians chapter 4, put Galatians 4, I'm going to start at verse 1. Galatians 4 and verse 1. Let me start there. Galatians 4 and verse 1. Hallelujah. Let, let's, let's see when he was born. Let's end all the argument. Now I say that the heir, as long as he's a child, does not differ at all from a slave, though he's master of all. You, you go back to chapter 3, he's talking about us being heirs of God. Okay? But look at verse, verse 2. But is under guardians and stewards until the what? The time appointed by the Father. Now let's see where that time appointed is. Keep going, verse 3. Even so, when we were children, we were in bondage under the elements of the world. Verse 4. But when the fullness of time had come. I just, I just showed you when he was born. 
So now you can end all the argument with all the Hebrew Israelites, and you can end all the argument with all the Jehovahites and Witnessites and all that, and all the Catholics, all whatever people want to argue about when he was born. You ain't got to argue about when he was born. I just showed you when he was born. Well, it might have been September. It might have been. It doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me when. I know he was born in the fullness of time. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, under the law. Y'all got this here. Give me that same verse, verse 4 and 5 in the, uh, in the CEV. Switch to the CEV for me, please. Watch this, because we'll, we'll see exactly what he's talking about here. Galatians 4, verse 4 and 5 in the contemporary English version. That's what CEV stands for. But when the time was right, everybody say the time was right. See? That's when he was born. God sent his son and a, and a woman gave birth to him. His son obeyed the law. Keep going, verse 5. So he could set us free from the law and we could become God's children. Thank God that he came so we could become God's children. So what gets lost in all the arguments and what gets lost in all the fuss over stuff is the fact that the Savior was born. People are worried about the when and forget all about the who. And the what? People get caught up in all the celebratory uh, gestures and activities and forget the fact that that day is about a Savior being born. Are y'all hearing me? What Satan has done, he's worked hard to eliminate the Savior part from the discussion. Again, that's why people find it so easy. I, I, I had to deal with our, one of our uh, bishops over in Africa about that a couple weeks ago because he was calling it Xmas. I said, bro, no, that's not going to work with me. <laughs> don't, don't do that to me it's, it's Christmas and he, he wanted to reply I don't know if he had, was feeling himself but he wanted to reply now we're sending him help and he wanted to reply to me is it because Christmas isn't in the Bible <laughs> well okay well neither is orphanage but we send help to your orphanage So don't, 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 don't play with me like that. Glory to God. Christ is in the Bible. And must is from the mass. People want to argue about whether it's got pagan origin or not. I don't really care. I don't really care. When the Catholic Church got a hold of it and began to hold Mass in celebration of Christ's birth, that's how it became Christ's Mass or Christmas. The whole point is the Savior was born. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> So now we have, we have people, even in America, we went through a fight for the last several years about whether you can say Merry Christmas or not. And they went from Merry Christmas to Xmas, and then they went to Happy Holidays. You don't want to say Happy Holidays. When I was growing up, when I was growing up, Deacon Mac, we used to have Christmas break. Now in school, they can't say Christmas break. It's got to be winter break. Because we can't dare mention that this is tied to Christmas. 
And the devil has been strategic in that because what he wants to do is if he can eliminate Christ, then he can elim eliminate the thought of a savior. But tell your neighbor, the day is about Christ. That's what we read in Luke chapter 2. In Luke 2, 11, it says, for there is born to you this day in the city of David a savior who is Christ the Lord. So if it wasn't for the savior, Christ the Lord, we would not have this day. Somebody say this day. So this day that we're all going to celebrate on Friday that we've already started celebrating is about a Savior, Christ the Lord. Thank God for trees and thank God for reindeer and, and, and Santa Claus and all that uh, make-believe stuff. But what ain't make-believe, what's the real deal is Jesus Christ the Savior. How many saved people do I have in here? You would not be saved this morning if it hadn't been that on this day a Savior was born. So do whatever you want to do. Change whatever you want to change. Celebrate however you want to celebrate. But I will not forget in the midst of all my celebration that this day is all about my Savior being born. In the world, they make a big deal about the birthdays of their heroes. That's why we celebrate every January 15th, Martin Luther King's birthday. Because it was the day he was born. We don't celebrate April 4th, 1968. We don't celebrate that the day he died. Some of y'all didn't even know April 4th, 1968 was the day he died. You don't, you don't have no clue. But what's a big deal to you is his birthday because that's your holiday. I get a day off work. I have a parade. So what stands out to you is the day of his birth. When we celebrate President's Day, or, or actually I should say uh, Lincoln and so their, their birthdays in February, it's not because of the time they died, it's because of the time they were born. So in Christmas, we celebrate the day our Savior was born. Now, the devil is very strategic because he knows that if he can eliminate talk of a savior, then people will never see any need or have any hope of salvation. Did you catch what I said? So he, if he can eliminate us talking about a savior, because if the moment I hear savior, I have to ask, what do I need saving from? Y'all listen to young people. If I don't ever hear about a savior, then I don't know what I need a, what to be saved from. So he has, has to strategically eliminate Christ, Christ from Christmas. Happy holidays. Winter break. That's why he had to get rid of the nativity scene. Now, on any public property, they, they've banned, outlawed nativity scenes. Oh, yeah. ACLU was very strategic in that. American Civil Liberties Union, the leftist, yes. demonic yes. force that 
supposedly fights for liberties, what they're fighting to, be, to do is be free from God. And they want America free from God. Y'all not saying much to me. So that they're, they're the ones who led the charge to get the Ten Commandments removed from all public buildings and public properties. They're the ones who's led the charge to get the nativity scene off all public properties. You see, so that you don't see and your children don't ask, what is that? To make sure in the kids, when they used to have, I don't know if they still have now, Christmas programs and little Christmas cantatas in the schools, but even if they do, they, can't, they can sing about Rudolph. They can sing about Frosty the Snowman. But they couldn't sit here and say, Mary, did you know? Jingle bells. They can sing that. But they couldn't sing about Silent Night, Holy Night. It's strategic. It's, 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 to, it's to eliminate the talk and therefore the need for a savior. Am I helping anybody so far? So people then don't know they need a savior. And then when they're in a mess, they have no hope for a savior. Because as long as the devil has his way, you're going to need a savior. But if no one's ever talked about a savior, then you look to the world for a savior. So it depends on who I vote for to be my savior. It depends on I got to marry the right person to be my savior. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me on that. I got to look to some man. I got to look to some woman. I got to look to some organization to save me. I got I to depend on the government or I got to depend on, on the healthcare field to save me. Or I got to find a psychiatrist or a psychologist who can save me. I got to get to find the right drug or the right alcohol that can save me. I got to find the right sexual activity that can save me from what I'm dealing with. And when you do that, you are going to false saviors and you don't know that on this day, the Savior was born. And what we were told in the previous verse was that, that this is great tidings for all people. Are y'all hearing me on this here? So everybody say, I need a savior. Somebody say it again, I need a savior. Can I prove to you why you need a savior? Look at Romans chapter 5, please. Romans 5, verse 12. I don't have, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to be long today. I, I'm going to get out of here quick. Getting out of here today. Getting out of your way. I just want to lay this on you. At least that's what I think. Now the Holy Ghost is always in charge, so whatever you want to do something, y'all blame it on him. Don't be looking at me all funny. Because I said I was going to close 30 minutes ago. <laughs> Romans 5 verse 12. Let me show you why we need a Savior. Romans 5 verse 12 says this. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin... Now that one man was Adam in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve. You know the story of Adam and Eve? The devil has to try to get us out of Adam and Eve now. But through Adam and Eve, that's how sin entered the world and then death through sin. And thus, here's the part you got to see, death spread to 
How many men? How many men? All men. This is not just men. This is mankind. Death spread to all mankind because what? Because all sin. How many sin? All sin. So even the cute little baby. Not my cute little baby. Not my cute little. Not my noogie noogie. Yes. It wasn't noogie noogie's fault. It was Adam's fault. Glory to God. I let Eve off the hook because it wasn't even Eve's fault. The Bible says, said Eve, Eve was, wasn't, uh, Adam was not deceived. Eve was deceived. So she got tricked out. But Adam knew full well what he was doing. So because of one man's sin, not one couple's sin, one man's sin, Adam's sin, sin entered through, entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin, even Nuki Nuki. Let's prove it. Psalm 51 verse 5 in the Living Bible. I don't have any little Nuki Nuki's in here, do I? I don't nobody call my baby Nuki Nuki. Okay, good. I'm, I'm making up a name. I don't nobody call her. I'm picking on my baby. I, I don't know no Nuki Nuki's. Psalm 51 verse 5 in the Living Bible. Notice what David says here. But I was born. I was born. Lady Gaga said I was born this way. You sure right. You were born a sinner. Is you all right? That's one of the most demonic songs. That's one of the most demonic songs I've ever. I, I, never listened to, I watched the video because somebody was explaining the video. I said, wow, this is demonic. But true, truthfully, it's all demonic. But I was born a sinner, yes, from the moment my mother conceived me. So, even though it's not the baby's fault, it's still the reality. Glory to God. So, every human being is born infected with the virus of sin. Every human being is born living on death row. Y'all missed it. You're born on death row. Might be a good person. Might be a nice person. Might give out all the good you can to the poor. Every Christmas, every Easter, every Thanksgiving, every Mother's Day, every weekend. Do good things. But you know your goodness will not get you into heaven. Jesus himself. I, I, one day I messed up some Jehovah Witnesses like this. Boy, I messed them up. I messed, they got hot stinking mad at me. Because, you know, I'm not, I'm not one of those ones I'm hide. Just pretend like, you know, I'm a, hey, how you doing? Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. I, I mean, because when they come, I've got my Bible, I'm reading them. Good morning. Good morning. And so they came, and they knocking this, I think it was two girls, if I remember correctly. Yeah, two girls. They came knocking on the door. Hey, sir, um, uh, do you, they ask you all these kind of silly questions. You know, big questions, stuff like that. And uh, I said, let me ask you a question. I said, um, are you born again? Born again? 
What's, what's that? Because they, they, oh, they were asking me about the kingdom. Am I in the kingdom? I said, yeah, sure, of course I'm in the kingdom. So I said, are, are you born again? Am I born again? I said, well, no, ain't no what's, what's, we don't to be born again. I said, well, how you got in the kingdom? I said, how would you get in the kingdom? Because Jesus said, you must be born again. If you're not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom. That's his words, John 3. John chapter 3, you read on your own time. If you're not born again, you can't enter the kingdom. Well, no, that's not, that's not true. I said, well, just, let's, let's look at your Bible. Now, I have my Bible. Let's look at your Bible. Oh, no, no, no. They, they refuse to open their own Bible. I said, well, what? what? I'm, I'm, let's use your Bible. Man, those girls got so hot, stinking mad at me, and they, they stormed off. Hey, hey, I said, I, so I got mad about this. I said, hey, wait, you came to my house. I didn't come to your house and bother you. You came to my house. I'm asking you a question. Are you born again? You here to help me? I'm here to help you. Because you preaching something you don't know about. If you think you're in a kingdom by passing out watchtowers, you you mistaken. <laughs> Jesus didn't say you must pass out watchtowers. He said you must be born again. Y'all not y'all don't like this part. And I'm not I'm not picking on them. I'm just saying the girl they came at me. Okay. See, so because I was born a sinner. I must be born again because my mother conceived me in sin. My parents wasn't in sin when they conceived me. It don't mean they were shacking up when they conceived you. It's talking about the fact that the seed that was passed from your father because he's a human being was passed as a sin seed. Got it? So there's no amount of good works. There's no amount of penance you can pay that gets you out of being born again. You must be born again. That's Jesus' words. That's facts. As kids would say, no cap. Right? That's facts right there. So you must be born again. Why? Because you were born a sinner. Everybody say, I was born a sinner. I need a savior. Say, I was living on death row. I needed a savior. Now, look at Romans 5, verse 18. Glory to God. Says this, therefore, as through one man's offense, now watch this, judgment came to all men, resulting in what? Condemnation. Condemnation. So through one man's offense, it's still talking about Adam, judgment came, judgment came. None of y'all ever been to court and had a judgment thrown and handed down at you, I know. But it says judgment came to how many? All men, resulting in what? Now, that word condemnation is the Greek word katakrima, katakrima, which means damnatory sentence. In other words, you've been damned or condemned to death. Are y'all hearing this? See, if you just think about the boxes under the tree and the tree and the lights and the reindeer and the Rudolph and all you think about that and don't think, don't remember that this day a Savior was born. 
then you'll be stuck out there going through your whole life not, not realizing you were born on death row and you'll die on death row if you never get born again, if you never call on the Savior. Praise the Lord. So we were born and receive a damnatory sentence. We were sentenced to death. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, that's not fair. I didn't do anything. Well, that's, I'm not talking about being fair. It's just the reality. The wonderful thing is God didn't leave us there. If you put Romans 5.18 back on the screen, let's look at part B of this. Even so, through one man, notice this is a capital M here. This is talking about who? Jesus. Through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men resulting in so what we see that just as through one man sin came in, just as through one man this damnatory sentence came in and our sentence to death roll, now we see through one man Jesus, this free gift came that if I receive the free gift, now I get pardoned. I get off death roll. I'm now given a sentence of life and liberty and pursuit of happiness that I walk with him to receive all that. Are y'all hear what I'm saying to you? Through one man the free gift came. So no, oh, it's not fair, it's not fair. Why people have to go to hell? People don't have to go to hell. They don't have to. It's not God's will that anyone should perish. I said it's not God's will. The word says it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So all must be born again. All must repent. All are in need of a savior. What the devil has done is he has taken the savior aspect out of Christmas. So people are on a collision course, an accelerated ride to hell, and never cry out for a savior. Now the problem with the death sentence is that before you actually die, you deal with all the death while you're living. In other words, all the sickness, all the disease, it's not from God. It's part of the death sentence. How do I know? Because if you were to go back to Romans 3, Romans chapter 8, verse 1, verse 2. Put that on the screen for me, please. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. You're going to see something here that will make sense to you. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. So when you're born into this, into this world as a sinner, you are born under that law of sin and death. That's why you don't have to train children how to sin. Your children, by the time they are six months old, they know how to take something and hide it. By the time they're a year and a half, they'll lie with teeth and tongue and they'll lie straight, looking at you straight face and lie right to your face. I did, you, you did, no, I did, I did that, that mommy. I did that, that mommy. Not me. You don't have to train them in that because we're born in sin. And because we're born in sin, we're already sentenced to death. But the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from that. So when I get born again, now I'm under a new law. The law of life. The law of life. But until I get born again, I'm under the law of sin and death. The law of it. That the law of gravity holds you down. 
the law of sin and death holds you down. So sickness and disease, poverty and lack and depression and all the confusion and all the strife and all the hatred and the fear. The fear. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus Christ uh, delivered all those who were their whole lifetimes subject to the bondage of fear, of death. So when there's death and you got a death sentence on your life, there's fear. That's why people are freaking out about a virus. Because they're scared to die. They're not scared of the virus. They're scared scared to die. I'm not scared to die. Why would I be scared to die? First of all, as a believer, you won't even know you're dead. He'd be like, hey, what? Jesus. Wow. This is great. Wow. Y'all follow what I'm saying to you? Because as believers, we don't die, we sleep away. We sleep away. We just simply transition from this life downstairs to this life upstairs. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So we're not scared to die. But when you are a sinner, you are afraid to die. Glory to God. So notice again in Romans 5.18, talks about that through the one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. So that's why the birth of a Savior was and still is such, a, such good news for everybody. It's good news. In Luke 2, let's go back over there. Luke 2. And now in Luke... Luke is one of the synoptic gospels, right? Just, just say yes. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are part of synoptic gospels, not John. Nope. Matthew, Mark, and Luke are synoptic gospels. John is a gospel. What the synoptic gospels are, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And sin means same. Optic means view. Same view. So the gospel with the same view. Got it? That's real easy to break that down. Sin, S-Y-N. S-Y-N, same. Like synonym. Okay. Optic. View. Okay. Man, y'all have been educated already, boy. (laughs) So synoptic gospels. So I want you to see Luke, that it occurs, the, the timing is the same as Matthew. Okay, so what happened leading into the book of Luke is there were 400 years of total silence between heaven and earth. That sin had become so rampant, sin had become so intolerant. Now, God hates sin. Everybody say, God hates sin. So he still hates sin. So God hates sin so much, it had become so intolerable to him that he simply just cut off communication for 400 years. That's probably never happened to any of you where somebody, somebody offended you or got on your nerves so bad that you just stopped talking to them. The rest of y'all lying. The rest of y'all telling you you lying through your teeth. 
is happening. Which is some somebody got on you, just like you know what? I, I need a break from you. Give me fifteen days, weeks, <laughs> right? So, so God said, "Give me four hundred." This is God. This is what, God, what He did. He he. He, he, he cut off communication for 400 years. But remember now, there was an appointed time. There was a fullness of time that had been prophesied many, many centuries before that. Okay? And so, God had to reestablish communication. You remember God back in uh, the book of Genesis when sin had become intolerable. God got so angry, he destroyed everything. Remember that? The great flood of Noah. And he saved only eight people alive and several of the animals, uh, several of each animal, I should say, uh, to replenish everything. But he had promised he would never again destroy the earth by water. Okay? And so, yeah, but be fired next time, that's what we used to say. But so, this time the sin is so intolerable, but he can't destroy it because he said he's not going to destroy it again. But beyond that, 1 John 4, 8 tells us that God is love. He is love. He doesn't, he doesn't just have love. He doesn't just love. It says in 1 John 4, 8, for God is love. He is. Everybody say he is love. So because he is love, that love has to be released. That love has to be demonstrated. That love has to be manifest. That love has to, has to come out of him. So even though he's sitting there and he's like, I'm mad at y'all. Love still has to come out. Oh, you hear what I'm saying to you. Now what had happened, uh, the sin is separated. I, I, I want to show you a scripture here. And put up uh, Isaiah 59, please. Isaiah 59, verse 1 through 3. Because you don't want to ever, ever be in this place where God has to reach out like this. It says, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear. In other words, God's not the problem. Verse 2, But your iniquities, everybody say sins, sins, have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. So sin gets in the way. God's like, hey, I don't want to talk. You need to get that right. Let's get that right first. Y'all got quiet right there. God says, hey, let's get that right first. Now, God will talk to you when you get that right. Well, how do I get it right? Well, when I come, my first discussion needs to be is I'm going to confess my sins to you. Before I keep asking you, Lord, help me. Before I ask you, Lord, save me. Lord, do something for me. I need to say, I need to say Lord, I'm sorry. I blew it. I messed up. Y'all don't like this. I'm going to help you because if anybody ever been, you in a marriage or you've been in a relationship with somebody and they did something wrong against you, you don't want to come talking about, hey, you know, I'm about to go over here, uh, shoot some pool or something. No, don't, your first conversation with me, with me needs to be, hey, not, not telling me what you want for Christmas. No, let's get this right first. Then we can talk about Christmas. So God says, is your iniquities and your sins. So I wouldn't hear you. Now, verse 3, he says, for your hands are defiled with blood, your fingers with iniquity, your lips have spoken lies, your tongue has muttered perversity. Y'all got it? Okay, so here's a problem with, with humanity. But God's love overrode all that. 
Now, look, let's look at Luke chapter 2, please. Luke 2. Luke two. I'm going to start at verse 1 real quick. Luke 2 verse 1 says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Everybody say Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus. Now this is the Roman Empire. Roman Empire. This is very, this is very important that I, that I read this, okay? This census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So we know that Caesar Augustus is at this time leading the Roman Empire. Now, how many of y'all in school, public school, or whatever school you went to, learned about Caesar Augustus? Just six of y'all, okay. You studied world history. The Roman Empire was one of the great empires of the planet, the Greek Empire, the Persian, Medo-Persian Empire, all so forth, Byzantine Empire, you know, we, we understand this, right? Okay, this, this, is, this, is, this is critical that we see this here. So we know Caesar Augustus is leading the, he's the emperor of Rome. We know Quirinius at this time is governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Verse 4, Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called what? Bethlehem, Bethlehem okay, house of bread, because he was of the house and lineage of David. So he went there because of what? Of his, of his bloodline. Okay? To be registered with Mary. Why did they go to be registered? Because Caesar Augustus had commanded it. He has betrothed the wife who was with child. So it was that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to be delivered. So her due date came. So we're understanding her time, his time, okay? And the, the reason why I wanted you to read the first six verses was so that it gives us a time stamp and a historical perspective as to when this happened. So that you can refute those who say Jesus never came. You see, you know Caesar Augustus. You learned about Caesar Augustus. You know about the Roman Empire. We know about, we know about the Syrian kingdoms. This is all historical record. And so the Bible was explicit. The Holy Ghost was explicit in making sure you and I know that this was during that time. So for all those who want to reject the notion that Jesus Christ ever showed up in this, on this planet in the flesh, you can say, no, 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 no. It was on record. The same way that, some, that we just did the census this year here in America. It's to make sure we have every person on record. Such that we can account for him timing and place. So the story is real. The story is real. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Now look at verse 7. Verse 7. And she, this is Mary, brought forth her firstborn. Everybody say firstborn. Firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now, why was there no room for them in the inn? Because everybody's coming. They, they couldn't register online. 
There was no mail, USPS, and to fill out a registration card and send it back. They had to actually go to be registered, to be accounted for. And so there's no room in the end, not because they were broke, because there was no room in the end. Y'all see this? Put verse 7 back on the screen, please, because I want to show you something here. It says, and she brought forth her what? Firstborn son. So this is the son that according to, to the Levitical law broke the matrix. Okay, y'all know what that means. This, is, this, this, this son is the one uh, that there's no, there's, uh, because she had been a virgin before, now she is pregnant. The firstborn one is, is the, one, the first one to come out. Let me just put it. Okay, broke the matrix. That's what it means. You read it in the scriptures, broke the matrix. And she brought forth her firstborn son. Firstborn son. Not firstborn daughter. Firstborn son. Got it? Capital S. Son. Which means he's the firstborn male. M-A-L-E. The Bible has specific commands. When you brought forth your firstborn male, that that male was to be offered to God. Okay? Now, I'm going to show you something here that, that I hope will bless you. She brought forth her firstborn son and then wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger. Okay. Now, we think in today's time, you know, uh, babies are born, they put them on a little onesie or whatever, but in, in old, old mamas used to take the little babies and swaddle them. Because that baby is making a transition from the warmness of this mother's womb. Now coming going to face a cold world. And the doctor going to slap him and everything. And, 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 and the baby comes out and the mother, uh, the parent, those who are around know they have to swallow that child to bring it some comfort. To make sure this child is, is comfortable. And, and, and so it can, it can become more acclimated slowly to this new world. Am I right about it? Okay, but I want to go a little deeper. Because this is Mary's firstborn son. And it says she wrapped him in swaddling clothes and then laid him in a manger. Now there's no room in the inn. So we're assuming they're in a stable somewhere, or a barn somewhere. But why didn't she just lay him on top of the hay heap? She laid him in a manger. Okay? So what I found out, because I, I want to know the same, the same thing. Y'all want to know the same thing, right? That's why y'all asked me that, right? So I found out that this was a symbol because the Bible calls Jesus the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. So when he is born, you also read Levitical law about the firstborn lambs. That when lambs were born, the very first lamb that would break the matrix of its mother was the one that was to be sacrificed. The very first lamb was the one that God commanded to be sacrificed. That's why God, when he sent Jesus Christ, he had to make sure she was born of a virgin. 
so that when he was born, he would be the first one out. Because God knew he's the lamb slain, help me out, from the foundation of the world. So when Jesus Christ was first born, he was the firstborn of his mother, which marked him for sacrifice. Furthermore, I, in my study, I found out that what shepherds do. Now, who's the angel talking to here in a moment? In a moment. The shepherds. He's talking in a moment, I said. Remember we read this whole story at the beginning? We started reading this whole story. He's about to talk to shepherds. Put up verse 12. Put up verse 12. Verse 12. And this will be a sign to you. Who are you talking to? You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Now go back to verse 7. Okay? So he's talking to these, he's going he's to tell these shepherds how to find Jesus, the baby. But he's talking to shepherds. Shepherds raise sheep. And part of what shepherds raising sheep was for, not only for their wool, not only for their meat, but the shepherds knew the Levitical law. That whenever a sheep, a ewe, gave her firstborn lamb, that lamb was marked for sacrifice. So the way they would take these lambs, Elder Jeff, is the firstborn lamb, they would swaddle it. You do research. They take the firstborn lamb because lambs, this is an animal. So it's a wild animal. Do not domesticate it when it's firstborn. Legs are going, they're doing all that kind of stuff. So they have to take that firstborn lamb and they swaddle it. They tighten it. They restrict its, its ability to move for the purpose of giving them time to now inspect it. They take their firstborn lamb, lay it in a manger, which was traditionally where they fed the sheep from. But this sheep, this lamb, was going to be sacrificed. So they take those lambs, wrap the lambs in swaddling cloths, and lay that lamb in a manger, so then they inspect that lamb now from head to toe to make sure it had no marks, no bruises, and no blemishes. Because the lamb that was to be slain had to be perfect. And whenever they find a perfect firstborn male lamb, they then now separate it and then lead that lamb to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was where the marketplace was. Lead the lamb to Jerusalem and then sell those perfect, unblemished, unmarked lambs, firstborn male lambs, to anyone who needed to buy a lamb to sacrifice. So the Holy Ghost is not wasting words. And he's leading Mary when he tells Mary to wrap that baby, Jesus, in swaddling clothes. It's not her own thought. It's not her, her own idea. Wrap him in swaddling clothes and lay, lay him in a manger. 
And then I'm going to send my messenger to some shepherds who will get it. Notice the, no, oh God, help me out. When, when, we, when we've had our nativity scenes here in, across the world, we'll see baby Jesus and we'll see Mary and Joseph and we'll see the shepherds and we'll see wise men and camels all gathered around. But that's not how it happened. We read in Matthew earlier, right, that when the wise men showed up, it said they found the young child. He wasn't a baby when the wise men showed up. Oh, is anybody being helped right here? He wasn't a baby. The, when the wise men showed up, they were looking for a king. When the shepherds showed up, they were looking for a lamb. <laughs> These wise men were kings themselves. They were descendants of Abraham. The Bible says Abraham, before he died, he distributed gifts to all of his sons and sent them off to the east. We get to Matthew and the Bible says why these wise men came from the east bearing gifts. So the one who God struck the covenant with Abraham hundreds of years before, hundreds of years later, he comes and, and brings forth the tokens of that covenant to Jesus, the king. But when the shepherds come, shepherds know shepherding. Shepherds know sheep. They know lambs. They know the order that God has given for lambs. So God speaks to shepherds and tells them, go down there to Bethlehem and you're going to find this babe. And this will be a sign to you. In other words, this will be significant to you. In other words, shepherds, only you'll get this. Man, y'all don't. The wise men, they, they, they wouldn't get this. But you'll get this. You're going to find this baby wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And that's how you're going to know that this is the savior of the world. This is the sacrificial lamb that we've heard about for hundreds of years. This is the one because you're going to find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Woo-wee. Are y'all seeing this here? From the moment Jesus was born, he began his journey as a sacrificial lamb. From the moment he's born, he's identified as the lamb. John chapter 1, verse 29. John chapter 1, verse 29. I want you to see what John the Baptist said about him. It says, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Are y'all seeing this? Now, how did lambs take away sins of the whole world, of the world? Well, when, they, when people would sin... They would get a lamb and sacrifice it. And that lamb sacrifice would atone, atone for their sins. You got it? Now, we can also look at 1 John 2, verse 2. I want to look at it in the Amplified Bible, please, media. 1 John 2, verse 2 in the Amplified Bible. Notice what it says. And he, that same Jesus himself, is 
the propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins, but watch this, and not for ours alone, but also, come on, for the sins of what? How much? The whole world. So when, when a family would make a sacrifice back in the day with a lamb, that sacrifice would only atone for their sins. But this one lamb, Jesus, his sacrifice would be for the whole world. Now, you remember the children of Israel, you know, there were, there were some of them that were poor. God has said, there should be no poor ones among you, but he said, there, there, there will be some poor. And those poor Israelites, because they, some of them couldn't afford lambs, they were allowed to sacrifice pigeons and, and turtle doves. They were allowed to, to substitute because they couldn't afford. But the ultimate sacrifice was always a lamb. Remember the Passover. The children of Israel were getting ready to come out of Egypt. The final night that they were there, God had them all, every household, every household had to sacrifice a lamb. And if you weren't in the house and you weren't covered by that, that blood of that lamb, you were susceptible to the plague that was going to hit Egypt. So when the Bible says now Jesus Christ became our propitiation or the atoning sacrifice for our sins, then it says not for ours alone, but also for the sins of the whole world. That means that he covered everybody or it's, it's available now to everybody. Are y'all hearing this today? All right, now, so I'm talking about good news for all people. So let's close this out here. Luke 2, go back over here, Luke 2. Let's pick up verse 8, please. Luke 2, verse 8. So you got the whole scenario about the, the lamb and the swaddling clothes in the manger. Verse 8, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, the same country, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid, for behold, watch this, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to what? All to all people. So this is good news for all people. And here is the good news. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. So notice again, he says this is now good tidings of great joy to all people. In other words, it's good news for everybody. Why? Because he came to save the world. Now he came not only for Israel, he came first to Israel, to the Jews, but his death, his sacrifice was enough to atone for the sins of the whole world. Now, this is good news for all people. Everybody say good news, good news. For, all people. for all people. Now, this, why is this so important? Because not all news is good news for all people. Even if you hear good news, it doesn't necessarily apply to all people. Everybody's waiting on the good news of, well, we got a stimulus coming up. All right, praise God. We got a stimulus, and here's the news. We almost got one, and praise God, when it comes out, it's going to be good news. Well, it's not good news to all people. Because you have to qualify 
to receive it. I know people who are still waiting on the first one. Some of y'all got your hands raised. I started to get my first one. So all the good news everybody was celebrating, it wasn't good news for all people, was it? A lot of people are happy because whew, we got a vaccine. Whew. Well, that's good news, but not to all people. In fact, I, I looked it up to make sure I just check the current stats on the vaccine. There are 195 countries on this planet. 195 countries. Only 40 countries have even gotten the vaccine ordered. Only 40. So if you're not in the, and these are the 40 richest countries of the, of the world. There, was no, there were no countries in, the, in, in Africa listed whatsoever. We got good news. That's not to all people. <laughs> if, you're not, if you're not in the top 40 countries, then was it to you? And if you're in America, okay, well, America ordered it. Sure did. America ordered a bunch of it. A bunch of it. Pre-order. Got to wait on it to come out. Well, it already came out. Well, not all. They ordered more than just from Pfizer. They ordered from Moderna and all those. They ordered, they got a lot more vaccines coming out. Problem is, if you're not a healthcare worker, if you're not a politician, who's going to publicly get an empty needle poked in your arm? They, they ain't placebo, they're empty. They ain't no, nothing in those, in those needles whatsoever. And you can look at it on camera, there's nothing in them. It's just all trickery, ladies and gentlemen. Don't, don't be fooled by all the fake stuff that's going on. And you better hope that you don't pass out like the one nurse passed out. She took it and trying to give an interview about it, and she said, I'm feeling dizzy. What? <laughs> or get Bell's palsy like the other ones are getting Bell's palsy from it. And, those in Australia, they, they test them positive for HIV after they take the, take the vaccine. Like, what, what, what's going on? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's, that was in Australia. In Australia, they were testing positive for HIV after they take, took the, take the vaccine. So they said, we better stop this. Duh. So if you're not, so my point is, it's not good, good news to everybody. But the Bible says that this news of the Savior is good news for all people. Which means it doesn't matter who you are or where you are or how rich you are or how poor you are or what color you are or what gender you are. There's good news for you today that the Savior is born this day. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at this in Acts 10. Give me Acts 10, 34 and 35. Acts 10, 34 and 35. Say this and let you go. Acts 10, 34 and 35. See, because, you know, with, with, with this vaccine, it matters who you are. It matters where you are. 
matters what you have, matters who you know. They, they say they're already trying, trying to get security in places in different, different places around the country for people who want to try to skip in line, start fighting over a vaccine. Well, it makes sense. They've been fighting over toilet paper. <laughs> fighting over paper towels and fighting over Lysol. You still can't find Lysol in toilet tissue anymore. What in the world is going on? Everybody fighting over a vaccine to get something that's 98 we, I mean, you're talking about 98% uh, uh, survival rate for a vaccine that's not proven safe. I mean, you got a chance, you got a good chance of getting Bell's palsy from the vaccine, but you got a strong chance of living from the virus. Just take the virus. Just give, me, just give me the virus. Give me the virus. Let me get it. I mean, I might, I might be itchy throat for a little, couple weeks, but let me, okay, let me. Well, no, people died from other stuff. I, I saw, y'all, y'all probably don't like this part, but I saw in this, the city of Denver, this was on CBS News, Denver put out how, how 40% of their coronavirus deaths, the, co- the comorbidity was gunshot. On CBS News, 40% of their, of their coronavirus deaths, the comorbidity, what the people really died of, was gunshot. Well, duh. It's a bullet. But I can tell you this the virus of sin, it's a 100% infection rate. Every one of us born in sin. And if you get the vaccine of the blood, it's a 100% survival rate. If you don't get it, it's a 100% death rate. It's a law of sin and death. That's why you must be born again. But the good news that I love about this is that it doesn't matter who I am or where I am. Acts 10, 34 and 35, did y'all get that? Look on the screen. It says, then Peter opened his mouth and said in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Keep going. Keep going. But in every nation, even in Africa, even the Caribbean where they're not giving it, even in South America where those countries aren't getting it, everyone who fears him and works righteousness is accepted by him. So you'd rather be some special person you got to pers- be a person who knows I need a savior. Yeah. Romans 10, 12 and 13. Romans 10, 12 and 13. Look at what it says. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek and black and white and healthcare professional and, and pastor and, and whoever else that they want to make these distinctions as to who gets what. For the same Lord overall, come on, is rich to all who call upon him. For whoever calls, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved, shall be saved. So it doesn't matter how bad you are. It doesn't matter how badly you're infected with sin. <laughs> all I do is just call on him. 
Last place. 1 Timothy 1, verse 15. This is what I want you to see. Because people, when they get a virus or get, a, get cancer or whatever the thing is, and if it's in a late stage, they give them no chance to live. Because <laughs> they don't know Jesus. I mean, the people who are talking don't know Jesus. All they think is natural. It's a death sentence to people. But this is what Paul says when it comes to sin and a savior. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Notice what he says, of whom I'm chief. In other words, he said, I was the biggest sinner you could find. I was good at it or bad at it, depending on how you look at it. I was the best at it. I knew how to do it. But Jesus Christ came to save sinners. So what is the good news for all people? That this day, a Savior is born. This day, the one who came to redeem us was born. This day, the one who came to our rescue, come on, Luke, is born. This day. And the reason why I can live the reason why I can be free, the reason why I can prosper, the reason why I can be healthy, the reason why I can be whole, the reason why I can function is because the Savior is born. And in all the celebration, in all the lights and the jubilee, I never want to forget that fact that my Savior was born. And ladies and gentlemen, parents especially, we do our children injustice. To not take time. My, my children, just, just, it just annoys them. <laughs> On Christmas morning. We're going to sit down. We're going to sit around. Sit around. They big now. They ain't big teenagers. Big, nasty teenagers. They're just teenagers. And oldest is 20. Oldest is Alexis. 25. 25. You know, this, we just, we're going to sit around. We're going to read the scripture. I'm going to tell you the story about Jesus. That's so corny. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but they're going to know a Savior is born. They're going to know that they need to be saved. Now, they, they thank God our children are already saved, but I need to remind them that don't, don't lose focus on the Savior. Well, we'll get to the gifts. We'll get to the gifts. But I want to remind you about a savior. Call me corny, call me old school, call me whatever you want to. But I'll never forget the fact that this lamb, the lamb of God, firstborn of Mary, was wrapped in swaddling clothes, laid in a manger for me. For me. You know, Jesus was just fine in heaven. He could have lived for eternity and be just fine, but you and I would have come here to this earth and lived and died and plunged into hell for eternity. But I'm glad that he came for every one of us. This is the good news for all people. I don't care who you are and where you are. This is the good news.
Are you appreciating the good news that God gave you in your life? Now, what's the good news today, Pastor? That that same lamb, that he was led to Jerusalem. That's your Bible says. He was led to Jerusalem, bound. And they took that same lamb. They tied him to the cross first. Then they nailed him in his hands and at his feet because he was that sacrificial lamb that would die for the sins of the whole world. He was the one that was to give his life for all of our sins. And when they lifted him up on that cross, it was just like when Moses in the wilderness, when the people were dying, they had been bitten by snakes. And God had Moses to lift up that rod up there in the wilderness. And he said, whoever will look up, just look up, they'd be saved from the serpent's bites. Well, you have a serpent, your adversary, the devil, who's biting at your life trying to destroy you. And so that same Jesus was lifted up on that cross, said, if we look up, if we look up, look up to him and receive the gift he gave for us, we'll be saved from the serpent's bites. And in 2020, it's the same today as it was back then. So I don't care where you are, who you are, what you've done, where you've been, what you've been through, what's happened to you. The good news for you today is that there is a Savior. There is a Savior. Hallelujah. And he can save your life today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, I'm asking you today to look upon every heart in this room. We thank you for the word that has come to remind us that Jesus Christ came as a Savior, the Lord Christ Jesus. He came to save the world. And God, this first time he came as a lamb. We know when he comes again, he'll come as a lion the Lion of Judah. So while we still have time, Father, I'm asking you to touch every heart in this room. That if there is somebody in this room who has not received Jesus Christ, the Savior, that today will be the day that they receive this wonderful gift. You said this was good news for all people. And so we're asking today, Father, that each person hears and receives this good news and responds by giving their life to Jesus to receive the atonement, the sacrifice that Jesus Christ made for us to not only to atone, but we know for us to wash away our sins, to cleanse us, to sanctify us, to give us a brand new life. Today I pray for each person in this room that God, that all hardness is broken Every bit of um, doubt and unbelief 
is move out of their lives so that, Father, they receive this wonderful free gift of salvation. Father, I pray today that your light would flood their hearts. And this will be the best day of their lives that they've ever had and the beginning of a brand new life in Jesus Christ. We ask you that. We believe it to happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Man, if you're in this room today,